Well, it is the um, 23rd, so I'm running out of time, aren't I? So best we have a healthy dose this morning of Christmas cracker jokes. And you know what? I have a few on my page, but if you don't laugh enough, Kenton's got a book of them right there. So this could last a very, very long time this morning. Who was, who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? Samson, because he brought the house down. <laughs> that is good, isn't it? That is good. Some of you are looking quite stern. You just need to chill out a little bit, okay? It's Christmas. Relax. Take some seriousness off you. And uh, where is the first... No, no, let me... Yeah. Where is the first tennis match mentioned in the Bible? When Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. I like these. See, I've got all new material today. And you think I don't try. Okay, here's a real Christmas one. What do you call a man who claps at Christmas? Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Do you get it? Oh, you don't even get it, do you? Come on, people. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Thank you. Right, there's one more. Well, there may be more. It depends. This is thanks to Andy. But I like it. It's my second favourite joke now. What did the Israelites sing in the desert? Noel, Noel, Noel. No Anyway, I had a very deep thought while I was uh, sweeping the driveway yesterday because um, I know it seems like an odd thing to do, but it's Christmas, people are coming. And this has got nothing to do with my message, by the way. Uh, people are coming, it's Christmas, I wanted the driveway to look nice, so I swept the driveway. It's like 90 metres long, but I swept it, all of it. Blisters, pop blisters to show for my effort. But as I was sweeping, uh, I had this thought. I thought, we prepare for family and friends to come at Christmas. Don't we? we clean up. Has anyone done any cleaning in preparation for Christ- Christmas? Is that all? Is that seriously all? What's wrong with the rest of you? Oh, you live in perfection all the time. I was, thinking, I was thinking that we clean up for Christmas and I stopped I was, you know, sweeping and I was breaking a sweat because it's one of the few days we've had with no rain. And I stopped and I thought, and I, thought I wonder what we would clean up in our lives if we thought Jesus was coming in a couple of days' time. Sila, in other words, think about it. That's just a thought. You get that for free today because I'm generous. It's Christmas. But I wonder what we'd clean up in our lives if we thought Jesus was coming in a couple of days' time. Interesting question, isn't it? Worth pondering on, I think. Anyway, can you work out what that says? Of course it says stop. That's obvious, isn't it? (laughs) What's it say in context with what we've talked about all this year? I know it's not fair, I'm making you think it's two days before Christmas, but that's okay. Do I need to tell you? Have you worked it out? Have you worked it out? 
Stop. Remain. Remain on guard. I want to talk about remaining on guard this morning. And I want to talk about remain in the context of John chapter 15 and guard in the context of Ephesians chapter 6 because there is a reason that they call this the silly season. Isn't there? It's because people do silly things. I know it's you think it's busy, but people do silly things at this time of the year. They do things that are out of character with the way they would normally live their lives and the way they would normally conduct themselves. And that's why I call it the silly season. But I think we can avoid that if we remain on guard. Remain on guard. Remain, of course, is John chapter 15. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Have you enjoyed looking at John 15 this year? The answer is yes, by the way. Have you found it helpful? Yes? Very good. Good. We're going to change next year. We haven't actually finished, but I don't think I've ever finished a series, so that's okay. It's normal form, but we're changing next year. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful, uh, fruitful unless you remain in me. I am absolutely convinced that our connection with Jesus is everything. That remaining in the vine is everything. I think if there is a problem in our world, we can track it back to the state of our connection with Jesus in some way, shape, or form. Our connection with Jesus is absolutely everything. I was thinking about it this week, and I thought, you know, if a branch is broken halfway down, there's hope for that branch, isn't there? If the branch on the tree breaks, it may, not ne- it may not ever look exactly like it looked again, but that branch can still be fruitful. It can still serve its purpose. It can still do what it's there to do. That's, that's no problem. But if it's broken at the connection, that's it. It's never going to serve its purpose. It's, it's the life has gone. So our connection is absolutely everything. And my encouragement to us is to guard our connection. Guard your connection with Jesus. Christmas holidays, time to go on holiday, switch off, relax, chill out, all that kind of stuff. But don't switch off from Jesus. Jesus likes holidays. Do you know why he likes holidays? Because we actually slow down enough to hear him in the holiday. He goes, oh, this is the moment. This is my moment of the year where they may, may just stop long enough so that they hear my voice. And I want to encourage you not to switch off from Jesus this Christmas. Take him on holiday with you. Take that extra five minutes in bed or 10 minutes in bed before you get out in the morning just to stop and go, where are you in today, Lord? What would you like to say, Lord? I've got time to listen. Here's what I've discovered in my life's journey so far. Early in Genesis, the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve sinned. When they sinned, the connection with God was broken. Yep, we're all on page with this. 
that relationship, that intimate relationship was separated. You read on a little bit further, and God goes looking for Adam, not like he didn't know where they were, but he goes looking for Adam and Eve in the garden, and he can't find them. He calls out to them, Adam, Eve, where are you? They hear him, and their response is, we are hiding. They were hiding amongst the trees. This is my observation of life. God gave Adam and Eve the plants, the trees, as their resource, as their provision, as their place of abundance. Yet as soon as the connection was broken, everything went out of kilter, and they ran into that place of abundance, into that place of provision, into that place of resource to hide from God, rather than to walk with God. And I think we still do it today. I think sometimes the thought of walking intimately and closely with Jesus is just a little bit scary. So we throw ourselves into work. We throw ourselves into the benefits of the provision that he's given us. We throw ourselves into all those things and actually what it is is an escape from walking intimately with Jesus. And I want to encourage you this summer, don't escape into those things. Take Jesus with you for the walk in the garden. It says he walked in the evening in the garden with them. It was a place that we were meant to enjoy together. Is God against provision? Of course not. Does God want you to have stuff that you can enjoy in a lifestyle that you can flourish? Absolutely. But don't leave him out of the equation this summer. Make sure you take him with you. I've, um, I've, I've had one of those weeks, to be honest, where I've had more issues coming in my, my ears than I've quite known what to do with. And my natural response is to get on the front foot. My natural response is to strategize, is to get on the front foot, is to say, just let's get this sorted out. Let's push through this. I don't step back and go, I'm a victim of circumstances. I get on the front. It's just my natural response. It's part of my personality, I guess. I get on the front foot and go, right, let's sort this deal out and get on with it. And some of my responses this week were like that. I think they were reasonable. They reflect my personality. They were justified. But they were natural, really natural, because they were my personality only being expressed. My brain goes into overtime. I end up feeling uptight and a bit stressed out, but I'm going to bring the solution to these problems. Then I was driving, and I suddenly said to myself, Sheridan, what the heck are you doing? You're uptight. Your brain is going so fast, you you don't even know what you're thinking. What are you doing? And I just, I didn't stop the car, but I stopped my brain in the car and said said to the Lord, Lord, at the end of the day, this is a spiritual problem. It's not a physical problem. The manifestations of it may be physical, but it's a spiritual problem because that's what your word says. I give it all to you. I ask that you would replace my natural ability with your peace. And can we walk in this in calmness? And that from that moment forward, all the stress just left me. It was amazing. I felt like a different person. Not because anything had happened, but because I had said, this is a connection issue. It's not a natural, can I fix it issue. This is a connection issue for me. Don't even worry about the circumstances. This is a connection issue for me. Lord, if you can 
saturate the situation, if you can saturate me, if you can remind me that the connection is the most important thing and that you are the answer to every problem, we can walk through this. I was amazed how my sense of well-being changed. I was amazed at the sense of um, relaxation or ease that came over me. And I want to encourage you this Christmas to remember that not everything is natural. In fact, less is natural than you probably, less is probably controlled by the natural than what you think. The natural is often a manifestation of the spiritual. But so often we just run to the natural and our natural response and our natural solutions and our natural abilities, which are good, but we ignore the fact that we are designed for connection and that we're designed to walk with Jesus filled with the power and the person of the Holy Spirit who has the answers to all things. And we need to remind ourselves, I need to remind myself myself of those things and not ignore the fact that I live in a spiritual world with spiritual powers at play and just stop obsessing on my natural abilities and let God be God. Ephesians 6 talks about this. So we've talked about remain. Let's look at guard for a minute. Ephesians chapter 6, if you've got your Bible, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 says this. It's Paul writing, of course. He says this is a final word. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. There is a devil. Did you know there's a devil? Wait, if you know there's a devil, please put your hand up. Otherwise, we're just going to go back to the very basics. There is a devil, okay? We don't want to give him more credence than it's worth, but there is one. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, so it's a spiritual battle. You and I are involved in a spiritual battle. Whether you realize it or not, we are. There is a spiritual battle going on. What's the end result, the devil's absolute prize joy, if he wins that spiritual battle? It's to break your connection with Jesus. That's what it is. He wants nothing more than that. That is his goal. That is his goal for your life. That is his goal for my life. Don't fool yourself that you're not a big fish, that he don't matter. Every human scalp to him is a big fish. That's what he's after. That's what he wants to do. We're naive if we don't understand that. Therefore, he says, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Putting on the belt of of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, 
hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. We are in a battle. It's real. We don't acknowledge it that much, but we are in a battle, and it is very, very real. And it's not a natural battle. It's a spiritual battle. The devil absolutely specializes in stirring people's natural behaviors for a spiritual end. And the spiritual end is that people's connection with Jesus is broken or never made. It's the truth. That's the bottom line. We are in a spiritual battle. You're in a spiritual battle. Verse 12 says, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against all evil spirits in the heavenly realm. It's really pointless being equipped for a spiritual battle if we're not aware that we're in one. I can have all the tools I want, but if I'm not aware that I'm in a battle, I'm losing that battle, aren't I? Because I'm being drawn in to something. I'm being drawn into a fight, but I'm not, a, I'm not aware I'm even being drawn in. It's like when I'm fishing, if I wind slow enough, I can probably get the fish most of the way in before it even realizes it's been caught. As soon as it realizes, there might be a bit of fight in it, but it's too late. And so many of us, sadly, are living our lives like that. And this morning, I want to encourage you to remain on guard. The devil is not a gentleman. Not a nice guy. Nothing nice about him, nor his kingdom at all. He wants you. He wants you disconnected from Jesus. And he's more than happy for you to embrace the silly season and do silly things that you normally wouldn't do. In fact, he will encourage it. But my encouragement, please, is remain on guard. If we're not aware that we're in a battle, we're losing that battle. We're losing it by default. There is no middle ground. There's no gray. There are only two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God is already won, but we get to choose which we partner with. I don't know why anyone would partner with the kingdom of darkness when he's already lost. It makes no sense whatsoever. Jan and I were in America earlier in the year. And um, in America, I can drive down the left-hand side of the road. No problem whatsoever. Except for the, the Jan and the sons screaming at me in the car. But other than that, no problem at all. I can drive down the left-hand side of the road, totally unaware of anything, until... I come across traffic, and they're all driving on the right-hand side of the road. At that point, I know I've got a major problem. But up until I see traffic, up until I see... I'm not even aware of the situation. I'm just cruising, because that's what I want to do. But my lack of awareness or my lack of personal preference or opinion or anything else does not mean that I'm not heading for disaster your lack of awareness, 
your personal opinion, your lack of understanding or anything else does not mean you're not heading for personal disaster by not acknowledging that we are in a battle and it's a battle that counts. It's a battle that really does count. So remain on guard. The devil knows that your connection with Jesus is the most vital thing, is the most vital ingredient, and he will attack that. And if he cannot beat you by attacking it, he will distract you from it. He just kept using the same techniques the whole way through history. He will distract you from it. That's probably the danger for us, is that we get distracted from Jesus being number one in our world. So easy to happen. Suddenly other things creep in. We run to the provision because we're struggling with the circumstances and the thought of intimacy with the God that we know might be too exposing or too hard. So we, run. we just get distracted. Don't get distracted. As I said, I'm convinced all problems are connection problems and the devil knows this. He knows it. If he can break your connection with Jesus, if he, by disappointment, offense, or anything else, if he can sort of push any of that in there to break your, break your connection, he will. Failing that, if he, he'll try and distract you from your connection with Jesus, and other things will become the important things. And slowly but slowly, he just winds the fish in, half a turn at a time, if you know fishing. Not enough to let the fish know that it's been drawn in until it's too late and we're fully distracted. Remain on guard. I want to read you Ephesians chapter 6 again, but I'm going to read it from the message. I love the way it puts it. The message says it like this. See, the musos could come if you'd like to. He says, and that's about... That about wraps it up. He says, God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over, but the shouting, you will still be on your feet. Truth. Righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's Word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. So pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind and drops out. It's great, isn't it? Remain on guard.
Remain on guard. You know, that's one of the things I probably find saddest about Christians who decide that, and obviously I'm preaching the choir right here, but Christians who decide that it's not necessary to be part of a church family anymore is they've got no one to watch their backs. They've got no one to walk with them. They've got no one to help them up. And you know, it makes it so much easier for the devil just to distract. I'm not saying they're not good people. I'm not saying they don't love Jesus. But you try and win a battle on your own. When God's intention is that he places us in an army, in a family, in a body, not only for the sake of the body, but to keep us safe too. To keep us on track and keep us on song. So remain on guard. Enjoy your Christmas holiday. Enjoy your break. Have a blast. Do something dangerous. Live a little dangerously. Whatever you're going to do, do it. Do it wholeheartedly. Enjoy yourself, but remain on guard. Remain on guard. Take Jesus with you. He wants to be part of your party. In fact, we found Jesus at many parties, didn't we, in the Scripture? He wants to be part of your party. He wants to be every part of your world, involved in every part of your world. Don't let the silly season get hold of you. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're going, well, actually, I'm not even connected with Jesus. So what? where am I in all of this? Well, we can solve that problem right now because it is a problem. When we're connected with Jesus, there's eternal promise that comes with that of our life being secure, of our life being in His hands and connected deeply to Him for all eternity. But the alternative is that we choose to have nothing to do with Him. Sadly, there's also consequence with that that lasts for all eternity. But today I'd really like you to understand that your best life is lived in relationship with Jesus. You and I are designed to walk this journey with Him. You know, when I sit in the car, I, I said, Lord, my mind's going 100 miles an hour. I'm, I'm fully in the natural trying to solve the problem. And I suddenly thought, what am I doing? Jesus, you can't do that if you don't know Jesus. Not walking with him changed my changed my week like that. It's getting more and more wound up. But you're designed to walk with Jesus. It's the way He created us to walk in relationship with Him. You know, some people would say, "Well, my life's not good enough. I've got this going on. I've got that going on." The wonderful thing with Jesus is He meets us right where we are you don't have to clean up anything you don't have to change anything to come into relationship with him that'll be the product of walking with him but to come into relationship with him the Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord if we believe that he rose from the dead on the third day that the Father rose him from the dead forgiving all of our sins, all of our wrongdoing. If we confess and we believe, we can come into relationship with Him. That's the only thing we've got to do. He'll take care of the rest.